count to three. Come with me and you'll be in a world of... Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. You have found Daniel Donato's Lost Highway. That lost highway. Yes. Howdy, y'all. Here we are. We are in 2020. How does it feel? Well, my voice is already cracking. Great way to start this decade, if you ask me. Has it been everything that you thought it would be? Will it be everything you think it's going to be? <laughs> These are actually kind of silly questions because it's only February, uh, so you should be patient and more empathetic to yourself and allow yourself time uh, to actually answer these in a way that you'll be proud of. But what are some fuels to help move you along the way on the right path? I'm thinking are two things, energy and intention, energy and intention. But before that, since we've last spoken, I've recorded a live Cosmic Country album Produced with Robin Ford. It's going to come out soon. We also announced a 32-show Cosmic Country Tour, which starts tomorrow, which is February 13th, 2020. We're playing on Valentine's Day. I'm single in Athens, Georgia. Life moves fast. I'm very excited for all this. New wave, new era, new decade, new me, new haircut. Back to energy and intention. I'll make it quick. On December 30th and 31st, I went and at the Sydney Center in San Francisco. I went and saw Dead and Company play. And uh, my uncle's been following the Grateful Dead since 1992. I'm born in 1995. I'm a sophomore. I have no dog in this fight. The good thing it's Grateful Dead. There's, there's no fight. A lot of dogs, though. It's like he's been to hundreds of shows. I've been to, to less than 10 shows. Energy and intention was what actually made these shows Along with the music, of course, along with the tenure, along with the community, but these two fuels are actually what made these shows such a pungent life experience in the moment. 15,000 people each night said, you know what, between 7 p.m. and 12 a.m., we're going to say fuck time. Time's not actually going to function for us the way that it normally does on all these other hours of the day, all these other days of the year. We're just going to, with our energy and intention, focus on this moment, on this day on this time for this concert and the music i've never seen music so big i've never seen music be so functional and so efficient it was just like a dream machine now i'm starting to sound a little woohoo here sorry for this but i also don't want to apologize for it because it was such a dense time truly changing of my perspective on what actually makes a show memorable what makes me actually want to tell somebody about a band? Not just from the fact that somebody jumped off a monitor, not just from the fact that the light show was good, but it was like, what are the things that we can do also as an audience to make a show memorable? And it's energy and attention and maybe some cannabis. Now granted, I'm going to be 25 this year. I'm very aware of my age. As John Mayer might call it, the quarter life crisis. I think that's off Why Georgia, off Room for Squares, don't quote me. Is that the second song off that record? Don't quote me on it. But it's very true. It's all these heavy thoughts, all these new thoughts are starting to come into the into the uh, the, 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 the swinging doors of, of what goes on in my mind. I just wanted to share it with y'all. Uh, energy and intention. Keep these in mind when moving forward with, with this year and taking in the, the sensory experiences that each day presents to you and how the world unveils itself to you. 
we actually have control of energy and tension. Much control of it. These are some very powerful moving forces. Today, my guest on the show is Mr. Mark Agnesi. He is the director of brand experience at all Gibson brands. Once the face of guitar of the day on Norm's Rare Guitars YouTube channel, general manager of the store for over a decade. We talk about how we stumbled into that position through drive and ambition, but it was out of necessity as he got into the vintage guitar market and how he came to acquire those skills. So we talk about how to learn. We talk about how to actually properly come up with ideas via the process of daydreaming. We talk about how to find your niche and communicating to your culture. And we also talk about how many biker jackets he owns, black leather biker jackets in specific. Hope y'all dig. Thanks for doing this. Oh, absolutely, dude. Sorry it took so long. No, no, that's just just fine. You're being a busy man. Can we talk about... You said something to me downstairs that hit me with like 30 questions. Director of brand experience. What? How did you arrive at this place? Because like, I love the idea of you have searched for your place in the world by persistently being yourself and consistently. And now you've arrived, it seems at least to me, at this place where you like fit perfectly. Yeah. And your potential's um, unlimited. It's kind of crazy how it all worked out, man. It really is. Well. And just starting to really see how crazy it, it all is. You know, it was kind of overwhelming at first and now it's like, oh wow, this is this really is what I was supposed to, to do. do. Like it kind of Wow. It kind of draws from like every interest that I've ever had in my entire life. I get to kind of use all of it. And I basically spend my day trying to make like my boyhood teenage guitar nerd wow. dreams into, into reality. You How know, so? Like what is, what does today look like for you? Aside well, from this. Today is, a, you know, it's Grammy week. So it's most people aren't in the office and it's post NAM. So that rush is done. So and all my Gibson TV releases went up yesterday for the week. So today's a little bit uh, less. But um, again, a lot we can't talk about. I showed you some stuff. But, you know, right. I'm kind of deep in, in another project right now. That's another thing that has kind of never been done before and kind of, you know, had to be imagined from the ground up. Wow. And like Gibson TV, you know, same thing. Started with nothing and it's still a very humble uh, beginning for it right now. But, you know, my vision of where that's going to go in the next several years is, you know, ambitious. Right. Whoa. The whole thing, every time we've caught up, it'll be like every six months or something. It's like you're laying this project on me and it's like, five six pages long of pdfs and then all these visuals and it's like how do you go from having the thing at norms which was like seemed ambitious but like in a definitely a smaller way but it's like how do you handle how do you scale that how do you keep cool you take it like like day by day man like to 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 say that i've been comfortable every day is not true well and if i mean it was a huge adjustment I've never worked in corporate like setting before. Well, you know, I worked with the same four or five people for a decade, and you were there for a decade. I was there for ten. Well, I I just fell short. I was about nine and a half years I spent as a manager there. Was that your goal going there? What's that? 
to be there for 10 years managing? Well, I just, you know, it became its own thing. And then Guitar of the Day kind of became a thing. And That must have started organically. Yeah. I mean, if you go back through old Norm's videos, I would occasionally do a video like on the history of a model. Mm -hmm. And then when Instagram kind of first started i would back when it was just like 15 second video mm -hmm. i would just like plug a guitar into an amp and play what i thought would be the right song for it and then it kind of merged the two uh -huh. things together it, it became a lot more than what i originally had imagined that to be it was supposed to be my idea was it was called 60 second sales pitch and i would talk about the guitar for 30 seconds oh, and wow. i would play it for 30 seconds and if you watch some of like the very first episodes of guitar of the day they were like a minute and 30 seconds long and then people kept saying man i wish you'd play it more man i wish you'd talk more about it and then all of a sudden it kind of turned into this 10 minute long uh -huh. five minute history lesson five minutes of playing thing that it ended up becoming so that was from like episode 100 like i think yeah because i did the 100th episode and then we had to remodel the store because there was a flood in the, the shopping center oh whoa so we stopped for a few weeks while we had to tear up all the, the cart and stuff and then we got the couch and the all that all that couch. stuff came in and that was episode 101 was the first time i started playing the three song like i would play a song on every pickup are you and, learning those songs too are you are you driving home thinking like what song am i gonna do for this next guitar yeah that would that became my creative outlet trying to figure out what what that was basically the creative part of that job was every day trying to figure out like before like i'd finish doing the episode and be like cool it's done what am i going to do tomorrow and Whoa. then pick out the guitar and then go home and start thinking of what songs to play and then you know learning songs is pretty easy if you know how they go mm -hmm. like if you know how the song goes you can look at a tab really quick and and pull out the changes and, and like real. know how to play it but it's like coming up with the stuff that was kind of the extent of my creative thing how many episodes i did 734 episodes so five days a week for a little over three years oh my god i never missed an episode you stayed in your lane it was there every day i was like you know you set yourself up you go this is going to be a daily thing we're going to do it every day and like, and then you're like we can't miss it we got to do it we got to do it and then then you, you can't get out of it wow, you, know? <laughs> you like have to and then it's like you know you is haven't taken a vacation in three years and right your yeah, work ethic like that's something people no one gives you credit for which is something like at least from what i i'm very intensive on reading comments i think we, there's a lot of truth to be found from consumers and comments yeah and it's like no one ever mentions how hard and how consistent that job is and like you kept it like from a marketing perspective you wore that was it all saints oh the all saints jacket like yeah. great jacket every day i remember when you were at my house you're like There's is the that jacket. the jacket <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah dude that's a jacket do you have more now that's a new one i've always had a variety of them but yeah the bike that right? one got um retired um, oh. on the last episode really that will like How beautiful get put in a glass case or something and you should my office or something like that yeah on the was it the vanta black no vanta black we'll get to vanta we'll black. get there we'll get there it's the blackest black dude to quote spinal tap how much blacker could it get oh my god none more black yeah. you've taken the ma the magic of a spinal tap and brought it into this reality that we all participate in <laughs> it's kind of boyish yeah some of the stuff that i get to do is like like i said it's like i literally make i sit around trying to figure out how to make all of the boyhood teenage dreams i had what were your dreams when you were like 18 
Well, to be a rock star, that was my, you know, it's to, a flexible play, to term. play music for a living and to, you know, be out there and doing it, you know. Did you try that? Was oh, that yeah. No, I, I I mean, I, I toured for a while. I, you know, I was you doing the mostly thing? the sideman thing. Sideman, so playing for people. And when I got, you know, when I moved, I went to Belmont and uh, here in Nashville. You went to Belmont? Yeah, I'm a Belmont grad. For what degree? Music business. Oh, I see. Um, and Belmont had a... Uh, a satellite campus in LA they called Belmont West that you could go do a semester at. Mm. Um, so me and my best friend both decided our, our last semester senior year, we would go to LA and we mm. went and did it. And From Akron though? From Akron originally, yeah. Crazy. We so came you back like, here we, for graduation and never looked back. We, you know, I bet. stayed full time and, you know, we didn't know anybody in LA. We didn't have any money. We had like no connections and we both started literally at the ground and, mm. you know, he moved back here he works in uh, music publishing. Um, he moved back here a couple of years before I did, and, and we both married L.A. girls and moved them to the South. Beauty. You know, it was, Whoa. yeah, there, nobody's from L.A. in L.A., yet we both somehow met and married women that were born and raised Very L.A. Rare. girls, and now we moved them back oh. to, to Nashville. What a thing. Yeah. Whoa, man. So, like, you move out there. How old are you when you move out there? 18, 22? Uh, I mean, I, I think I was, uh, I had just turned 21. Yeah, it was like our last semester of my senior year. I, I think I moved there on December 30th of 2004, right before New Year's. Come on. So, I spent, yeah, I spent 14 years grinding in L.A. Grinding as a player? Well, I started, um, you know, I, I graduated music business degree. I was interning at Lionsgate. Mm. Um, in the music department and mm. i was interning at uh, i was interning for another music supervisor and uh it sounds weird now it's like mm. I, I just hated being in an office like i was like this is not for me i was supposed to play guitar um i gotta get out of here so i took a job um selling guitars at a store which is no longer there called west la music oh. um and then I ended up becoming the manager of, of the guitar department at West LA Music. How did you become manager? Were you just better uh, than pretty, everyone I else? Mean, I was pretty good at it, you know. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, but my my whole idea was, <laughs> um, you know, I don't know anybody. I'm not connected in this scene. I'm gonna work at the guitar store and I'm gonna meet guitar players all day and people that are doing it until, right. at which point I can, you know, make Leverage. the transition. So. At that, you know, by about two years into that gig, I was playing with about five different artists in LA. Oh, so you made it happen. You actually did transition. At, at, to a point where I was making enough money that I thought I could cover the bills, and I said, okay, I'm going to go pro. Oh. And then, it, you know, LA is an expensive, you got to play oh, a lot man. of $75 gigs, man, to oh pay God. rent in LA. Yeah, if you're not booked two or three nights a week. Absolutely. You know, and then you go out, you, you land a tour, which is awesome, and you go out and you make a bunch of money, and then you come back, and then you have been replaced in that loop because you were gone, and, you know, you couldn't go do here. those calls, and then those calls start going to other people, and then you get back, and you're like, oh, shit, and you got to get your way back again, and, yeah. and all of that stuff. Making yourself irreplaceable. I mean, that's like the... That, that is a key. big, that is a big thing. Yeah. I've always tried to, to do that. Seems like you naturally do that. I don't know if it's natural, but I always make an effort to make myself irreplaceable in whatever situation I'm in. But it doesn't always <laughs> doesn't always happen. But you know, I always I, that's always what I'm shooting for. Yeah. So what? How did Norm start then? Well, it started out of necessity. Like you know, when I was doing that, playing and stuff, and trying to just make rent 
Did you like I doing would, that? Did you like that grind of, of, of playing? Were you just playing like where, like in Hollywood? Hollywood gigs with different artists who were Randy trying to, uh, I mean, a few of them were okay, but I mean, it was nothing. Nobody ended up ever, you know, really doing anything. It was Isn't just, it was crazy? a means to, to pay, you know. So fascinated by the that too. bills. But right. in order to pay the bills, I had to come up with something else. So I, I would scour Craigslist and I was in, and whatever oh. money I had, I would, I would buy and, and sell guitars to kind of supplement my income were you doing that in akron too no I, I i didn't start doing that until i was forced to do that to force keep paying the rent Hustling. you know um and it just it, it just wasn't working out and i was like i need to i i'm gonna have to get a real job you know like is that hard for you to swallow that reality well you know yeah sure because you know you you go out there with the purpose and then you finally not that I finally did it, but you were like, you know, I was playing all the time and it was what I was supposed to do. And then to have to say, yeah. you know, uh, no, I got to go get a, you know, Jackie and I had, had been together for a few years at that point. And oh, come on. Life was starting to get more serious. And it's like, I, I, I can't do this anymore. I've got like a college degree and like. Were you in debt? Oh, yeah, dude. I always in debt. Are you yeah. kidding? Um, and it's like, I got to get a regular job. So I, I'm like guitar came calling again so it was uh, i think i was i think it was at cordoba there was a job opening at cordoba guitars that i went and i went to like three interviews for and at this point i was just like dying and they just kept dragging this thing out and dragging it out and every day i would go on and look and see if there was any other jobs and and i was sitting there waiting and waiting to get the call and uh i was on craigslist and there was just an ad saying vintage guitar expert wanted calm and man. it was norms and it was right down the street from me and i drove down there and met norm and um Whoa. within like five minutes it was like yeah let's do it come on and because he had just kind of was restaffing like his whole staff kind of left at one t time in like a mutiny or something so he was trying to restaff the, the whole place and, a mutiny and and yeah <laughs> What was I, is, is normal? Is he fun? How's he to work with? Norm's good. I mean, he has his quirks, like any business and owner course. that has to make the nut at the end of the month and has employees to, that you know, and he's got mouths to feed. Yeah, no, they all have their own ways of doing stuff. His last staff had been there for over a decade, and and we're wow. all old and we're over it and weren't treating the customers right, and well, and there was a lot of negative energy in that building, and 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 it all that you know most of those guys all kind of left so it was a restaffing of the whole store and i had managed the guitar place at west la and wow you know i didn't really know vintage yeah to the anywhere near close to the extent like not an I, expert not an expert what i knew the models the models but the nuance yeah the the screws and the plastics and and the pots and the caps and the and from year to year the changes and all that stuff i learned all of that stuff on what gives the you the tenacity? Because like the people who always win me over, because I have it in myself. It's like you'll you, you'll believe you'll be ready for the job before you get the job. Oh yeah, no, that's <laughs> you talk like, about it. Yeah, that was, you're that doing was, the that same was, thing was, now. Yeah, like, 10X, too, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, like to a completely different level. But yeah, um, so it's like if what somebody. I mean, I wanted to be an expert. You oh. know, I wanted. To, yeah, like if someone came in and asked me a question and I didn't know the answer. I made a point to go pull out a reference book and well, read about it until humble. I did. Mm -hmm. And then I would never 
miss that question again and over Whoa. you know you do it for 10 years but by, by three four years in you've heard most of the questions you know and i've kind of learned i kind of learned uh the nuance as i went what does it take to sell somebody a guitar or, or are they ever going to buy a guitar and they walk in the door uh it doesn't take much uh-huh you know especially in vintage guitars the guitars kind of sell themselves mm-hmm. um you're more of a a, a facilitator mm. and uh you know more of a concierge than anything because as you get to know certain customers you start to know their tastes you start mm. to know their collections and mm. when new stuff comes in you look at something and go oh dude i'm calling him oh and, wow you know you blow up their phone with a text of a few pictures and the next day they're there and it's gone you know it's wow. those it's it's more of a relationship manager than um a salesperson because if somebody's looking for x and you have one and it's in great condition and it's all straight i mean that's it's not a tough sell mm. it's 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 the relationships and knowing the right people to call when you get certain stuff that's that's more what that job is it's not like car sales and the hard you know hard clothes and all yeah all that kind of right. stuff it, you know i always looked at it like this sale no matter what amount of money it is is not gonna feed my family the rest yeah you know, like the well, relationship yeah that i'm gonna make off of this sale you know it's not about selling this guitar to this guy it's about selling him every guitar that he buys for the re- you know that's that's always how i looked at it so even if it was like a massive sale i never i never try to pressure people or whatever because it's like hey, whatever however many hundred bucks or whatever you yeah. make on a commission for a thing is is inconsequential the relationship management is mm. is a much bigger thing because some of those guys buy 50 guitars a year you well, know? that's absurd when you yeah. start to get into that realm you start seeing real money you know it ain't it ain't you know selling strat packs it's you know guys with lots and lots of money that are really really into it and they want somebody that they trust that knows their stuff and that was so you right place right time yeah it was a complete right place um right time thing cesar who's you know my boss is was a regular victim of mine found me through guitar of the day is that how this happened that's how pretty much this happened i mean it was maybe two or three years of of him buying guitars from me we had never met but um yeah the amex always went through so you know and i knew what he liked and and you know he would watch guitar of the day and call me you know and buy the next it. morning and is this is it a good one and, and, and if it wasn't i'd say no that was the one thing i was, I was like if someone asked me is this one good and it's like yeah it's not really that great your honesty is heroic well again it's about you know i don't want to sell i don't want to pass on a turd to somebody that i have that kind of relationship with because then they start to question everything i'd rather tell somebody it sucks and be honest and know that when i tell them that i got a good one they'll go okay and and then you know then they buy it well you know that that level of honesty has to to be there i'll say those relationships don't work especially with people of that caliber that are spending that kind of money oh my god they want honest opinions you know? whoa from people they trust yeah have you so the, the term my grandfather owns a business a t-shirt business and they sell a lot of shirts and he talks about the concept Done the here. t-shirt business thing too <laughs> I've, been, you know I've been in that game you too, have man. yeah i've been to your old house in <laughs> yeah. LA and yeah. you had that room yeah with all that the merch room man Dude, that's so funny 
Oh, I'm glad to be out of that game. <laughs> What'd you do with all those shirts? I blew them all out at the end there, and but I sold a lot of shirts, dude. Sold it's crazy. Lot, tons of those shirts. It was a lot. Sold a lot of that stuff. He tried getting his whole. He tried starting art. He was in advertising for 30 years, had a lot of success, stopped, started trying selling art, made no money, and realized if you take the art you put on a shirt, you sell it. And he does, he you know, sells tens of thousands of shirts a year. Yeah. And it's like, he talks about the concept of perceived value all the time to me. And I, that was something I wanted to ask you about coming into this today, because you're talking about being director of brand experience and, and, and trying to do the right thing for Gibson. It's like, how much of that, so much of what you've always done, I've observed is kind of this perceived value thing well gibson's always had perceived value you know it's uh but you're taking a, it to a new well uh, trying to culture that's more of what i'm concerned with is culture how so well like gu guitar culture in general i like where I is always, that today i think it's in a better place than people think how so i mean with the different avenues and stuff now uh, that people can do i mean you mean like socials social things video i mean i like to try and i don't want this to sound the wrong way but like guitar culture moments or what i've you know mm. my instagram page mm -hmm. back when i was real like I, I barely use my instagram page anymore but i used mm -hmm. to post five or six times a day and i wanted that to be like a a cultural hub for all things guitar mm -hmm that could make people laugh or, or you know, piss people Memes. off. and yeah, yeah, I mean, all that stuff that's just, you know, fun. And then use that as a way to help showcase other guitar players who are either my friends or, oh. or people that I really enjoyed playing, their playing and stuff like that. And just to try and help use the, the little bit of a following that I had to kind of expose people to yeah the ones that i thought were great which was what the mark agnesi show was supposed Man, to be i got so many fans from that really oh my god it's the, the fan base for, for mark agnesi is deadhead loyal it's wild yeah it's uh so yeah just those, those kind of culture moments and guitar of the day i think was kind of oh, a yeah. guitar culture moment yeah you know i think the collection which is one of the new shows on gibson tv um mm. where it's kind of like the it's like kind of like mtv cribs meets like a <laughs> deep dive into rock star guitar collections so I you're think. gonna go yeah i saw well, who was the one episode dave amato was the first episode and, and dave dave's one of them, a very close friend of mine and, and and whenever you're pitching a new idea it's like yeah you have to like one I, I need somebody that's got really good stuff and two i need somebody who's gonna say yes mm. and i knew dave would say yes and and you know all the ones that we've filmed since have really been at the homes of mm. people, which right. is a different dynamic because you kind of get that look inside of their life and their house and their stuff. And then you see the guitars too. Dave's was like filmed at a warehouse, you know, where all the yeah, bands like, keep all their gear and stuff. Or something? Yeah, everybody, everybody, you know, people don't know and we couldn't say because you can't, you know, there's hundreds of millions of dollars worth of gear in that complex i mean every band that you could name has storage in that complex well, like uh, his locker was next to kiss sterile. and he brought me in there and it's like every stage prop does, I mean, it's all just sitting in this warehouse and like Whoa. 
Def Leppard was on the other side of him, and Richie Sambora was across the hall, and Holy shit. Ringo Starr was down the hall, and like I mean, I'm talking like everybody kept their stuff. So Security? it looks like these like plywood walls, and everybody's like, "Oh, you keep all this," it's like because it's inside of a compound that this has been built with the specific intention for bands to keep their gear there. Beauty. So, but moving forward, that I. I that's the big guitar culture moment i think on the gibson tv front i mean we've got a lot of different shows that um we're producing um and some are more guitar and some are more general music and uh, you know storytelling man it's Mm -hmm. i want to get off of the gear and i want to get more into the the stories of the gear or the stories Mm -hmm. that the gear have helped to to create what inspires that direction like are you taking insight from the market like are they saying that's what they do no i mean it's everybody's just doing product everyone's doing product that's all that anybody does is gear demos which is great and they have their place and if you want to buy something it's really helpful but like i always it always comes back to my wife like how so would jackie watch this with me because oh. I think that is like um, a, a large bit. Like she doesn't give a shit about gear. She's not, not going to sit and watch gear reviews with me and stuff. Oh. But if there was like a show that was kind of about gear and about music that was well produced and 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 was episodic that that had a format and 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 thing like yeah, she might actually sit down and watch that with me. Maybe that would be like if we had a bunch of shows like that, it could maybe it could maybe cross over just guitar players and, and have a wider appeal to just music fans in general. Mm. Basically like if, if MTV, instead of making that left turn mm. into my super sweet 16 and Damn. team mom and all that stuff, if Damn they fun. would have taken a right turn wow. into real hard music documentaries insight with artists storytelling kind wow. of features vh1 it's like again that whole thing, right? but again they they took a left down the the flavor of love and the you know the the reality wormhole which is what i i don't want i, I want it to be i want it to look like movies you know i want it to be cinematic wow. and i want it to be visually appealing i want you know being at gibson i've got like i mean we've got an artist roster of some of the most legendary talent all the way down to some of the most you know bright future up and coming talent it's like i've got all these artists that we can use this platform well to showcase mm-hmm. we we've got this platform to tell these incredible stories of our legacy artists and you know it's it, it's it's all it's all starting to come together like i said it's a very humble start where we mm. where we launched a couple weeks ago um it's not gonna be so humble you know a year from now i've got you know a lot of other plans for what this what this is going to grow into ambitious dude that's all i've got i always you know i think uh ambition trumps talent oh wow you know people don't like when i say that but i you know first off talent i think talent is bullshit I don't think anybody has talent. Like, you're not a talented guitar player. You're a skilled guitar player. Right. You learned how to do that. You put in the hours. Mm-hmm. You put in the time. Oh, yeah. You you focused and, and searched out different things, and you honed a, a, a craft. That's not talent. 
talent. Mm-hmm. That's that's skill. Mm. But you can you can learn that, and you can you yep. can teach that. Yes. Ambition. You either fucking got it, you got it or you don't. Yeah. Like I'll take an ambitious kid with like a handful of talent over the most talented person in the world who just has zero ambition. The kid with a handful of talent and a lot of ambition is going to be a star. You know. Oh, whoa, man. Whoa. That's so. I've always, you know, the Margaret Nisi show is a perfect example where my ambition was far greater than my talent. Oh, you know, wow! Come on. It's uh, you know. You were the first interview I did on that. Insane. And we, you know, getting people to come over and all that stuff. And I wanted to do it weekly. I'm like, we just got to film all the interviews first. And then weekly I'll go through and I'll do all the front and back end segments and all the, wow. you know, all the bits and stuff. And I got all the interviews done and we finally did it and we released your episode and everyone's like, the audio sucks. Yep. There's no mics on all this stuff. And How it's like, funny. oh no. Yeah. You know, we have a whole season. It's all. It, like, <laughs> sorry, guys. It, like this ain't going to get any better. But I'm. St- I mean, I'm still really proud of. I mean, I mean, if you look at the list of guests, it was you, heavy, Jared James Nichols, Larkin Poe. Yeah. They're nominated for a Grammy. Yeah. Right now. Oh yeah. I have a really good feeling they're going to win. Oh yes. That Grammy. Yeah. Um, Taylor Goldsmith from Insane. Dawes. Nick Perry, uh, who's scoring. Um, the collect or the uh the process the the factory documentary that, that we're doing um mrs smith who i i, I just absolutely love that whole thing with Guitar kirk hammett, moment the whole thing with kirk hammett the wah off thing was just something that as i was watching back the interview which was like an hour long like i just spotted that i was like oh that's really funny and i cut it into a 60 second instagram clip and posted it you did it yourself i did yeah and then Kirk Hammett reposted it and and then like it blew up Rolling Stone wrote an article about what it what the fuck like it's um, you know a guitar culture moment right like, there and then Tyler Bryant was a guest and Adam Slack from the Struts was a guest and I ran out of time to finish those two episodes those those interviews are, are still just sitting there oh I gotta see those yeah I mean yeah. I, w- I was saving Tyler for the end because I wanted him to kind of be the the uh, yeah finale episode and then I ended up running out of time As when it deserves. all right. when it all went down whoa man we've had so, tyler on here and his he has this very same approach as you do which is ambition ambition is a key thing but following it like in in a way that's wise like it didn't seem like i know plenty of guys who would have kept beating their head in the wall with 75 dollars gigs maybe have eventually lost their jackie kind of a thing and yeah. end up not working out it's like you have this uh you have a thing inside you that you follow that seems to point you in the right direction yeah it, it comes to you um like what like, again i think yeah. you know if, if, if i think ambition is more important than talent and i think imagination is far more important than any business degree mm. or any schooling mm-hmm. you know again i'm getting on the job training here like i'm getting thrown into situations that i well you know but you have the balls and like but no you sit and you shut up here. and you listen uh-huh and you learn and you learn and you watch people that know what they're doing do it love that you know again you can learn all of that stuff you can't teach a kid imagination so you have a good ability to learn oh yeah no i mean i was a straight a student and i was a you know i was always you know on the i graduated from belmont on the you know oh with, wow. with honors and all that stuff you know i all you know i and i never studied and i never read the textbook things just kind of i just showed up to class and paid attention and oh. it's kind of shocking 
So you're doing now. You just like show up and pay attention. Like show up and pay attention. Is that that's kind of what you did at Norbs? Show up and pay attention. That's what I'm doing here. You know, or at least for the first nine months. You know, I was a lot. Of people are always asking me what I did here, and it's like I literally I feel like I started working here like two weeks ago. Well, you know, is that a good thing? I mean, it's just it, I feel like I'm actually a part of it now because no one really knew. Right. What what I did, they saw me around and they knew I was in different stuff, and I would you know hang out with the you know upper level guy, and you know they didn't know, and now that it's out and people are seeing the response to it and all that stuff, it's like oh okay, that's why he's here, and it's like oh, okay, oh. I feel like I'm finally, you know, yeah, part of the uh, the Gibson thing now. It's like people will develop a perception of you. I've experienced it myself and a lot of my peers, and then when you try to when 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 you naturally through ambition you level up right because that's what you're doing it's like it takes a while for people to get the word and to accept that it's like i was talking to some people at nam and there was like they still thought you were at norms it's yeah like, no there's a like, lot of people what? come up to me and it's like oh i love you on guitar the day it's like dude i haven't been on that in 10 months yeah like, like lemo's already done like 200 episodes <laughs> and he's so good <laughs> oh dude lemo's amazing i remember the first time i heard him play was years before you started working there and he just like came oh, yeah. off the street and was in the corner playing and we all just like what the hell is that guy doing? Wow. It's just like really innovative stuff. I mean, mm. Michael's Yeah, very innovative thinker. Absolutely incredible guitar player. Again, just imagination. So good. No, somebody thinks outside of the box. Well, that's all you bring. You bring, like, that's your thing is like you, you think outside the box and you understand culture. Are you listening to culture or, are you, or, or do you just kind of, are you part of the culture and that's why you understand it? Well, I, no, I mean, I felt like I was in the epicenter of, the culture when I was there because mm. you know so many different players coming in you hear everything you, you, you're around all the brands you're around yeah. it's LA so there's always a band coming through that would come in I always felt fairly uh, connected to it and then I'm just a nerd so I'm just yeah I'm always following whatever's happening in guitar stuff well you are but you can process it and like and create things from it that are of value to the culture itself. You try, you know, that's uh, what I'm trying to do. Right. You know? But it's even like you, like, I guess with the show, not everything's a home run. Yeah. I mean, that's again, it, fail fast is what my dad always. Oh, come on. Know. What'd your dad do? My dad was worked a hard in radio. Worker. He's oh. Oh, absolutely hard worker. I got it, it all, all from him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And he's worked in radio for 40 plus years. Jesus. He used to be on air now he's owned stations and he's in the broadcasting hall of fame i mean he's oh come he, on he paid his dues for real and in radio but um he must fast. have spun a lot of dio he must have spun so much dio oh yeah back in the on the classic rock station Hell yeah. yeah dude like a rainbow in the dark oh. but like yeah feel <laughs> fast you know yeah how so you gotta you have to be wise enough to know when, you know, nobody bats a thousand. Mm -hmm. And if you got 10 ideas and you try them and, and four of them fail and, and six of them are great, like you're batting 600, dude. It's very like Over good. the arc of a season, like I'll take anybody on my team who can bat, bat 600. But like some people get so caught up in... A, a bad yeah a bad thing right fail fast if, if if it doesn't work move on to the next one like it's it's okay that wow. it didn't work and you can't hang your reputation on one idea that didn't work 
because you have these all these other ones that did. Whoa, you know, we, a, we respond to negative way easier than well, positive. it's easier to to respond to negative, and especially today when you just sit and read all the negative stuff. But like, does that get to you? You know, at times it it did. Um, the, at norms, I have to say, I never. I, I felt like I was probably the luckiest guy in the world because there was so little negative. The all love. It was a lot of love. There was a lot of positive energy around Guitar of the Day and that whole thing. And then you know you go corporate and like you ask for it. You know that's 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 part of the the gig. You gotta but, level you know, up though. It, it you know if if you don't have haters, you're not doing anything significant enough to. to Oh, come on. <laughs> to have a difference of opinion among people. You know, I. Beautiful. Does it get to me? Not as much anymore. But yeah, I mean, that's part of the gig, man. Do you ever think of, of, of yourself as. Do you, you keep your head down and you do your own thing? Yeah, I like to. Uh, I like to be alone during Re the day. Like I showed you my, like my desk over there. Yeah. I come in, I sit down, I check email, and it's like. I gotta get out of here, you know. Really? I uh, again, people don't <laughs> don't like when I say this, but like, people ask me what I do here, and it's like, like, I daydream a lot. How that's, so? No, What's that's that process. Like, that process is like I walk out of the office and I try and find a nook of the building somewhere where I can be by myself, and I just like stare out the window for a while. It's where all my ideas come to me. I don't know. I think daydreaming is a lost. Uh, like a lost art form you were smoking weed in daydream i used to in yeah. la uh, oh la you know, yeah and at, at, at the strip mall in so the valley get here. away with that i don't really do that here anymore but um it's not legal here so silly can't even buy booze before 10 on sunday man i'm like i'm a mosa guy I, like, I go to the store and like oh sorry we can't sell you that till 10 like what it's not a sin after 10 but yeah no i I, I daydream that's where the you writing things down yeah see I, I don't really my wife is a big nocturnal dreamer. She'll wake up and have like vivid recollection of her dreams. Oh, come on. Like, I don't, I can't tell you a dream that I've had at night in years and years and years. Oh, dude, yeah. Like, I daydream and oh, I find it come on. far more valuable because when you have a moment or something, you're like fucking awake to do something with it you're you're awake and cognizant and like you can write it down or you can think about it more you can start to visualize what it can be i i i, I don't know i think people look down on daydreaming <laughs> I, think day, I think daydreaming is like the the you know, way back from nam i i wrote a treatment for a new show for gibson tv i was in an uber for an hour from orange county to get to lax and right. stared out the window for an hour and, and like had the moment came. and it's like oh, wait okay and then you get on my phone and just start writing it down and sat at the airport for two hours and storyboarded what the pilot's gonna look like and by yourself yeah we were gonna start you know piloting it in Holy february well yeah, it's just like and and okay and then i come in here and i tell the two or three key people you know todd my co-producer in la um you know called him on the phone like dude guy he's like what is it uh, he's, he's like yeah no let's let's start and i'm gonna tell cesar and he's like dude that's epic yeah stop talking about it go make it whoa yeah. and it's like go make it so is it like 
now that all these people trust you, is it weird to feel, or is it anxious feeling? Is it scary? Is it the responsibility? Is it visible to you to actually execute? Now? Oh yeah, dude. No, the the pressure is. Is that good though? Oh, I've always worked good under pressure, but yeah, mm-hmm. don't, I, I, I don't want anyone to think for a second that I'm not like I don't have the same, you know, artistic bullshit fear and and you know, self doubt and artistic fear. I've never heard that. But no, it's like that that you know, self doubt and yeah, and you know, like that behind feeling. Yeah, like I don't know if this is gonna be like you get all. Caught on something, you do it, and it's yep. like I don't know. Well, anybody's gonna like this. It's artistic insecurity, man. I have that same shit. It's just, um, yeah. There's a lot of of pressure to deliver, and I mean, like I said, that was the first ten months of here. It's like I'm doing all this stuff, and nobody's seen it, and nobody really knows. And whoa, man! Holy shit! I better this better be as good as it seems in my head. Whoa! Do you have a process for for collecting ideas and then like? getting them to be more high resolution like you're talking about daydreaming it's yeah like- daydreaming I, visualization is a big i've always been a visual like I, you said you're a visual guy yeah I, I i've i've yet to make a show where like the day before we start filming i can't close my eyes and like literally watch the whole show from start to finish oh. i used to do it when i was playing too like i i, I visualize the set and visualize the beats and the moment where where th- certain things are going to happen and, and and all that kind of stuff it's just i've never i've never started had a, a camera crew start filming something that i have not already watched the entire episode right. in my head right. you know i think right. the visualization process is is super powerful do you do they do that for future things I do it for almost everything. I try to visualize exactly what's going to happen. I I feel it's like it's like that, uh, like the secret or something. You got to put it yeah. out in the universe. Like if I can, if I can visualize what's going to happen, then I know exactly. Mirror neurons. Where to go? Mayer calls it getting small. John Mayer has this thing he calls it getting small. Talk about daydreaming. It's like, and he's only said it one time. It's like I'm. I love, love his approaches to. Uh, to most things it seems but this he talked about this idea when it was came come down to writing a song he's like getting small and that seems to me to be similar to daydreaming which is like getting everything that's like inclusive of, of the real estate of our thought and then just kind of letting all that go and getting in on this one thing and focusing all the energy on that one thing and it is kind of that dreamlike thing because you're in it yeah you're doing that on a daily basis do I do that like all day. <laughs> like uh, most of the stuff I'm doing is there's no roadmap for this stuff. How it's do you all being find success with no roadmap. A lot of balls. Yeah, it's, he's got it's like, balls, I guess. But yeah, no, it's. I'm so grateful that I have a, a job that allows me to brand experience to do that. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's, I, it's yeah daydream of the shit that I think would be cool and then you focus on it and you hone it and you visualize it and then you go do it whoa man that's wild i think everyone could learn something from that in a big big way you would even do that when you were playing music as a hired gun yeah i would do that when i was playing sports in high school and like i would would visualize the entire game you know i don't know if it it works as well with sporting stuff but no i'm a huge proponent of daydreaming and i'm a huge uh, proponent of, of visualization well do you sit for down success. with an idea before like i want to focus on this for this for this session or 
Um, yeah, but then about? if you let your mind drift, sometimes you sit down to do one thing and you come up with something totally different, and then all your focus goes. And you'll follow that, that, though? Yeah. No, if, if it's going in a different direction, I'll follow it. Yeah. The big thing I'm always obsessed with, which is like people who know how to get out of their own way. Is does that thought ever occur to you? Is that something you're? Is that a force that you're working with? Again, the artistic insecurity shit can get oh, okay. in your own way. Sure. A ton. Sure. Well, and anybody good. who does anything creative, yeah, know that there are some people that just can't get out of their own way for whatever. It's a real whatever, thing. It is a real thing. It's a yeah. Well, it's like a complex or what? But there's again, fail fast, like. If you if you're gonna fail at something and it fails, accept, wow, accept failure, and move on, knowing that you're not a failure, you just failed. Uh huh. At that, at that thing. That's Baseball hard. season's long, man. There's a long arc to the season. Come and, on. And you know if you're if you're batting 500, you're on my team. That's one out of every two is a fail. But you know, there's an arc. To all this stuff whoa man so the patience that's big for you uh jc uh when we first started talking um before i worked here he he threw out a phrase that has stuck with me uh forever and it's like that's like the absolute nail on the head and oh, he come says, on. we have to be aggressively patient patience is not just Docile. waiting by and in, in the wings for your moment to happen mm-hmm. you have to have patience because things take time to build and develop, but you have to be aggressively patient. Wow. You have to be aggressively moving towards it while you're being patient for the moment, for the right moment. You've yeah. always done that. I, I, and when he said it, it was like, holy, that's like, yeah, that's it. Aggressively patient. Whoa, man. Yeah. It's like that. Sounds big- like an oxymoron, but it's like it makes complete and total sense. Well, it's like we should, we should let life be that simple. Like be we nice. should let cliches be the keys. Well, they're cliches, you know, for a reason. They stick around. Yeah. You know, he said another one last week. He always has good ones too. My dad always has good ones. I don't know JC. JC, yeah, he, I mean, he's the CEO here. He came from Levi's and a bunch of other. He's been the CEO of three or four different things. And he was. Uh, we were at before Nam. We were all in the big sales meeting, and he said, you know, a thought without action is just a dream. Action without thought is a fucking nightmare you know oh come on you know it's okay to dream but you got to take action to make dreams happen some people act before they they think it all out and that's when the bad stuff happens you know there has to be a significant amount of thought visualization honing of ideas and everything before you act are you running into like the inevitable road bumps that you hope to run into through the process of visualization before before they actually happen? show up yeah you try and think of all not just the positive things that can happen you gotta you gotta sit and really think about all the possible things that can come up and and then come up with solutions for those before you start the thing for me it's like something i feel in my life is like i it's definitely the time I was born in the culture I grew up in, but it's like to actually take the time on a daily basis and and find the per, find the perceived value in daydreaming to like let myself do that. It doesn't seem natural for me. It doesn't seem like it doesn't seem natural for most people, which is why I think most people look at me weird when I say that. I'd love to like hear about how how do you justify? Because you hear like here's how I'm going to relate it to it. 
some people say they don't like to sit down and read because they feel like they're wasting time they could be listening to audiobook it's like well that's real maybe some people don't re- learn by reading that's a real thing but it's i think it comes down to this like this like electron hyper movement on a still level that we're not comfortable with just sitting there and letting thoughts happen and come to us anymore you are yeah no totally i that's how do you justify that you justify it by it's get you results holy shit you're right but i mean you know people have no problem going to the gym for the hour and working out their whole body but it's like yeah your mind is a fairly large muscle and fairly important in your whole existence thing like maybe maybe you should spend an hour a day you know flexing that muscle holy shit yeah you know what would you recommend someone do get off your fucking screen how funny you know that's uh, that's a no phone time for you yeah, it's a no phone unless unless I'm using it to right. write notes or something like that. Use a like certain that. app or anything. Yeah, the notes app <laughs> in my phone, I, and I use a pad. People always make fun of me here. They're like, oh. "Can you email me that?" And I'm like, "You're fucking sitting right there. Like, <laughs> like write stuff down on a legal pad and just tear out a piece of paper and hand it." Like, I'm very analog, but I Bro. I can write faster than I can type. So if I've, yeah, you I've, don't apologize for your own intuition. I maybe sometimes <laughs> i i don't know i try not to like that to me is an artist like you are one of my favorite artists and i tell people that all the time it's like they're like what do you mean it's like mark agnesi is a popular artist on a large scale especially in guitar culture and it's like thank even, you I, yeah it's very real i try I, uh, like there's three things that i feel like it's a fucking ted talk right now or something but Dude, there's, there's like this, there's like three things that I have learned, and I don't have all the fucking answers, man. I'm not. Of course, I have the wisdom that I have that I have gained. That's what we do. But like, some people have like really great ideas. Mm-hmm. Some people have awful ideas. Mm-hmm. But like most people, and I say most people, I mean like the overwhelming majority of people, they got no ideas. You know, no they don't, ideas. they have no ideas. They have no original thoughts. They have, they, they, they know what's fed to them and that's what they, they, they're, they're, you know, some people have bad ideas. Some people have great ideas. Most people have no ideas, you know? Um, wow. so if you got, if you're somebody that has good ideas, yeah, that's a really great start. You know, that's the like- visualization parts, number two, because, because most people lack vision. You know, even if they can have a great idea, they can't close their eyes and visualize how to turn that great idea, how, what it can become, how to get there, where to, what step one. I call it high resolution reality, yeah. where it, it's like it starts up here and it's like this weird distant yeah. dream, and then all of a sudden you're in the room. Yeah, a year later. Yeah, that's high rise. Yeah. So you that's know, that's what you're talking about. If you have good ideas, okay, and you have great vision like that's oh that's wow. really big but that still ain't all of it because oh come on again most people yeah and when i say most people i mean like literally the overwhelming majority of people <laughs> they can't just show up and do the fucking work that's required to to you know turn yeah. that even if they have a great idea and they have great vision they can't just show up and do the work that it takes to make it is it lack of work ethic? Is it ego, or is it? Is it? I think it's pull- personality. How so? Because uh, a lot of people with great ideas and great vision aren't necessarily the people that can 
can get stuff done roll their sleeves you know and the people that can sit and get stuff done aren't necessarily the people with great ideas and, and great vision they show up and do work and then some people show up and and think and then and exactly. then there's a disconnect i think it's a rare set of three traits wow. for you know somebody to have to to have great ideas to have great vision and to be able to show up and and do the work to make it happen my thing i've never the, the third one is the one that i find myself having the, the a big question on which is like how do you stop yourself from over comp, comp is it how do you stop from making your work too complex like complicating over complicating your work i do that all the time that's i think is an artistic process how so that's just the, that's the artist because they get it so much more than everybody else they sometimes again that's the getting in your own it is it's the getting in your own way it is thing sometimes wow where you have such a heightened idea of what it is that you just you can't say it's done and that you have to continue to go deeper and deeper and deeper right. into it and then it gets so complex that you've you've lost everybody along the way it's like guitar of the day had this real salient execution like everyone knew what they were getting that's riffs it, it was, was like part history part name that tune i wasn't playing leads there was no uh, called blues noodles you know, <laughs> just, just noodling blues licks right which you know hey i can i can butter me up some blues noodles but like absolutely <laughs> I, you, you can't do that five days a week for three and a half years fuck that no, gets no one's super old so you know uh. it was riffs and you wore the same thing every day. Was that on purpose? That's just how I dress. I mean, this is, I still am wearing the same. Yeah, you're just, <laughs> I bet you were wearing the jacket even before, Norms. Oh, yeah. That's like, I've. You've been you. I saw Johnny Ramone when I was a kid. And I was like, yep, that's, that's, me. that's me. And I kind of haven't. Wow. How many jackets do you have? Leather, leather jackets? Le black leather biker jackets. Black leather guns. biker jackets, probably four. That's it. And then I've got a couple other. I wear this, dude. I've got one pair of shoes. You still have the black chucks. That's like all i wear so like if somebody gets married or somebody dies and i have to put on a suit i have literally i still i, I was at tyler and rebecca's wedding oh yeah um earlier or late you know October, 2019 right? somewhere in there i wore the same white dress shirt to that wedding that <laughs> i wore on my wedding day <laughs> nine and a half years before we're gonna have our 10th wedding anniversary this year wow. i own one dress shirt that has a collar on it and it was the shirt that I wore to my wedding. That's, if you look at my closet, it's it's t-shirts and leather jackets and jeans. That's and, You don't overcomplicate it. Well, that is, it's like, I don't like anything else. That's just what oh, I, I like. I vibe. And here I am in corporate America. I still get to wear the same thing. It's so like, it's kind of crazy how it worked out. Like, uh, you know. Whoa. It all, uh, yeah. It's like, literally, it's kind of the culmination of everything Whoa. I, I've done my whole life. It's like the the concept, there's someone I really subscribe to and they talk about the idea of not fitting yourself to the job, but fit the job to you. And it's yeah. like, that is you, my man. If you're lucky enough to be in a position to do that, that's definitely the way. Is it luck or is it just like persistence with vision and ideas? And I'd like hard? to think so. Mm. I'd like to think that that's what it is for my own personal ego benefit that I, wow. you know, did that. And but. you do have an ego well i'm you know like we all do we but all you do. let yours fly like so do i but it's like you let yours fly and you don't apologize for it yeah i mean and it gets me in trouble sometimes <laughs> i mean let's be honest it got me a following in the beginning 
but it did. It was different then than it is. Yeah. Now, so I've had to uh, I've had to change a lot of. Uh, I'll see stuff. I'll go. Oh, that's so. F- I need to post this, and I just step back and go. Uh-huh. You know what? Eh, maybe, maybe it's best that I don't. Maybe I don't have to make that joke. Maybe I don't have to. Oh wow. To do that, but no. I mean, and again. Mm. you're an artist who's on stage mm-hmm. i'm on camera all the time mm-hmm. there's a, the person and the persona are two different you know people. is that for you is that different well yeah because i can't go on camera and, and sit here and talk to you like i'm talking now and entertain people that's not that's right, not man. the guy people want to see so true. and it's not that the persona is not me yeah it's me but it's it's a it's hyper version it's a hyper version of me do you know orville peck i know that name i don't know that you would love orville yeah you would love him he talks about like this whole idea he's got a he's got the, the, a, a cowboy mask with fringe that he wears everywhere all the time yeah except not on stage right but he talks about how like his on-stage persona is a hyper honest a hyper hyperbolized version of a certain part of his personality and it's like that's what mark agnesi was yeah. for guitar of the day it's uh yeah it's a hyper hyper yeah part of yeah takes balls to be that person i mean you watch stand-up comedians on stage oh, and, you know, Joe this Rogan, guy's so like, funny uh, stuff and then you you see him and they're all depressed and they're all like yeah. it, it's it's you know that doesn't mean that's not them doesn't mean mm. the persona is not them it's just that's not the the person and then you know then that's you get judged on your persona and in the com you know that's what people comment on and that's what people dislike about you or that's what people like about you or whatever oh, but that it's it's a separate that's a separate thing maybe i'm not like like that when i'm like with my kids and my wife and stuff and we're like (laughs) you know having dinner and stuff i'm not like you know i'm not that guy then you know it doesn't mean i'm not that guy because you are you're honest yeah the persona is me it's just but that's not that's it's amplified or did you just kind of let something fly that you normally wouldn't um as the guitar of the day progressed, I, I just started becoming a, a lot more comfortable. And then you do it so much, you stop giving a shit. Not giving a shit's a big deal. And you get a lot of flow. when you do it um, so often that it, it becomes just a part of your daily ritual. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was that was my that was part of my daily ritual that you get on camera and it's just you don't give a shit. Oh wow! You know? Yeah. If you don't give a shit, well. People either like it or they don't like it. Well, that's yeah, that's where they, people see that as big ego or whatever stuff. But it's just like you're it's just not caring. It's just I, I just I, I can't care anymore. I, I do this every day. I don't give a shit. I'm just gonna get up and and do it. Whoa, man! There's a lot to learn from this. I I don't know, man. I don't know. If this is a, I wouldn't say this is good advice, but yeah, not giving a shit sometimes is sometimes is good, but sometimes is what again if it's the not, same thing that lets you daydream. I, I don't know. Maybe it is. But uh, again, actions without thought are when you get in trouble. And, you know, there's a lot more for me to lose now than there was then. And it was a little more counterculture. I could be a counterculturalist then a little mm. bit more because uh. I, I wasn't attached to a brand where I could I could freely talk and do whatever. Whoa. But uh, it doesn't it hasn't changed me. It's just it's changed the persona. Oh wow! Will it really? The persona had to change. I'm still the same guy. 
I just the on camera persona can't be right that same thing anymore. Right, you tried that briefly. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, I think I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, and it's like people didn't respond well. Yeah, but it's like again, that wasn't necessarily. Uh, that might also not have just been you. Well, yeah, but that was also a whole different narrative came up around that whole thing that that wasn't about. And then once it, you know, once it catches fire, you know. I do know. Yeah, Yeah. it's real. Yeah, once it catches fire, there's, yeah, there's nothing to do about it. Mm. You know, something you set out with to do that's about one thing gets misconstrued and then that comment becomes number one on the thread and then that's the first thing everybody reads and perception becomes reality and then everything starts to go nuts you perception know? does become reality yeah no well but honesty honesty and, and persistence with it, it clear splits the splits the oceans and the truth comes through and yeah over enough time passes you know people people start to see that oh okay maybe you know Maybe there was something to that. I just have one more question, man, which is where do you see, which is very broad, but where do you see guitar in, you know, the next decade when we get to 2030? Where's it going to be musically? Like, and also brand wise, like what's that going to look like? Man, do you think about those things? Yeah, of course. Job security and shit. Yeah. Know? I think, I think there is, more opportunity for guitar for everybody who thinks guitar is dead and shit i think there's far more opportunity yeah right now and 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 moving forward than there's ever been mm-hmm. i think there's there's new ways of being discovered i think there's new ways of of having your career i mean if anybody killed the guitar it was labels mm-hmm. and, and formulas you don't fucking really need labels anymore unless you want to be a huge pop star or something Mark like Info, that no label no label yeah jerry james nichols no label no label daniel donato right. maybe a label maybe <laughs> i don't know we'll see but like no man like there's a bigger way to connect with your audience of guitar fans yeah and guitar fans will connect with it they don't have to hear it on the radio they're not that kind of a person they look if if they're a fan of guitar stuff they'll go look for guitar stuff and there's so many places for them to discover how will there be new guitar fans like how will there be a 12 year old you know is the same way there is now man i think the internet helps that and kid can go on youtube and or be on instagram and if that's what they're into that those videos start getting thrown in their feed and they start to discover people and Mm -hmm. and you know once you discover somebody and you want to discover who their influences are and i mean go to guitar center kids are still playing the same classic rock songs that oh man that i was playing 25 30 years ago and it's real and you know except now there's some john mayer riffs there's a little more mayer in there you must have heard so much mayer at norms yeah there's a lot of mayer at norms in the acoustic section oh really (laughs) crazy train is the new stairway to heaven by the way in the in the (laughs) Or at least it was, I'm a little out of the game now. That might have changed a little bit too. But yeah, there's. Uh, I think the guitar is, is as healthy as it's been in decades. Wow. I think there's more opportunities. 
I think there's more freedom. Because it's not on it's, pop. Because it's not the thing. The, you don't have to worry about being on the radio so th- anymore. Songs don't have to be three minutes and 30 seconds long. And You're viewing you don't that. have to have the cool. image of right. a movie star to, like, I think it's been brought back to, you know. Real. Real. Because of the internet. I think it's helped. Yeah. I think it's definitely helped. Wow, man. That's and so streaming has helped. And mm-hmm. as much as I was against all of that in the beginning, you know, when I got to Belmont, my freshman year of music business degree, mm. that was when Napster came out. Holy shit. That was a crazy time, right? Whoa. So I had a degree in music business when Napster came out. That's <laughs> pre iPod. That's pre iTunes, pre Spotify, pre all streaming Remember services. Kaza? We were talking about like, how are we going to capitalize on ringtones? Ringtones are going to be our new revenue stream. And how, like, oh. so I mean, none of this, none of this existed. Why? Nobody even knew what to do. No, like everybody, all the professors, we would ask questions like, how, like, how are we going to do this? And they're like, we don't know. So it was like, where it has come since then, I, you know, I'd love to see royalty rates on streaming go up a little bit more, but they will. people are connecting with more artists that they definitely wouldn't have otherwise. And I think that opens up opportunities for, for every, every genre, not just guitar, but that, I mean, it opens up subgenres of yeah if you're into something it's it's like porn if you're into some wacky weird thing it's like there. it's there man somebody's making that shit you yeah. just have to be <laughs> weird enough to put it in the search and you'll find it i think music is kind of oh wow music's kind of doing that too whatever you're well, into i think you should just create you know well daydream daydream Make visualize fucking follow through oh that's the hard part for some they don't like doing that they don't like waking up and doing it follow through is 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 definitely key but yeah well spend more get off your fucking screen man this has been beautiful S- stare out the window dude thanks for coming by man i'm oh, glad we got to do this thanks for having me right on so you're getting all new with new agey over here <laughs> you bring it out in me dog <laughs> folks it's all about finding your niche finding your flow finding your process a lot to be learned from Mr. Mark Agnesi. I want to thank him for coming on the show and sharing his wisdom and his thoughts, being vulnerable, being real. That's what we need in this decade. Uh, we have stayed ad-free on this show. Uh, if you all dig what you're hearing, please indeed go to my Patreon page and donate. Or come see me on the Cosmic Country Tour. We have 32 shows coming up between now and May, and we are touring for the rest of the year and the rest of the decade until I sell out the city center one day. Or the Ryman Auditorium, which is my main goal. Okay, talk to y'all later. Hope y'all enjoyed the show. Yeehaw.